0: Real social distance community, real social distance life community church is back. And we are back, back, back. Boy, it feels so good. I, I, I can't tell you how much fun it is to try to teach to a camera. <laughs> Feedback, oh my. People, there's people in the room. People in the room. <laughs> people. People who need people are the luckiest people in the world. I'm sorry, I'm just fired up. Uh, you can relax, I'll, I'll, I'll settle in, but right now it just feels so good to hear you worship. So good to hear you praise. so good to just be together There's a great spirit. Uh, we're reading basically a long and detailed series dealing with spiritual warfare. Uh, We're going to wrap it up next week. But today we want to kind of keep going. It's very important, especially if you're jumping in, to give you a a fast recap. Let me just walk you a little bit through where where we've been. There's an invisible war and you're involved. You've got to understand that. Satan is constantly slandering the church. He's not confirmed to hell, but he is on earth. We're soldiers because we're in the war. We're not civilians. We are under the supreme commander. The rebellion against God is the issue and he will root it out. The rebellion did not begin on earth. But it began in the heavenlies with Lucifer and a third of the angels. Lucifer is the most beautiful creation that God ever created. And that created a pride in him. Remember, I will ascend and I will do this and I will do that. And he created us that Satan may be defeated. And we live kingdom Seek ye first the kingdom. Kingdom is saying, I will live my life that God receive glory. As God receives glory, Satan is defeated every day. Creation was for that reason. You and I are built for this. God could have taken care of Lucifer pretty simply, building up. Just built something more beautiful than Satan. End of the power grab. Instead, he kind of went down. He built us to live out his glory. Daily defeating Satan. And we're in God's image Satan tries to destroy God's image by sin. He comes to God and says, look what I've done to your image. At creation, he breathed in us, creating this close fellowship face to face. He gave us free will because he has to have glory. Robots can't give him glory. Our choices create glory for him. So we're not robots. We need choice. And one last thing, the disobedience in the garden brought the war to earth. Look at it like this. We started at the top and sinned our way down. Now, let's build on this. We spent a lot of weeks on creation because it's so vital to the story. Let's leave that behind. We've done that. Let's get into angels because this is where the battle really happens. Some believe Satan was cast from the heavenlies and is now in hell. That's not true. He will be in hell, but that's the future. We understand where he is. Ephesians 2, verse 2. Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. Now, air here is a big deal. Air, air air, in the Greek is different words. Here air is the earth's surface. Satan is the prince of the earth's sur- surface. Satan has dominion over earth. Really? Yeah. Consider this. Remember the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness? One of the temptations, Satan comes to Jesus and says, I will give you every kingdom on the earth. How can he say that? Because he owns every kingdom on the earth. Jesus doesn't correct him. Because he's the prince and power of the air. Now, we don't need, we don't need to verify this. I mean, authenticate it. It's, it's pretty simple. I'll be a prophet. Tonight, on the news, you will find about somebody murdering somebody else. Satan thrives in chaos. He creates chaos. Now, in fairness, not every one of our decisions are good and bad. Not every one of our decisions are righteous or evil. Most of our decisions, frankly, have no spiritual value at all. Most of our decisions tend to be neutral. They might be a wrong decision and still not evil. You're driving somewhere, and you've ignored the GPS, you made a wrong turn, and now it says, welcome to Wisconsin. I mean, you've really messed yourself up. Okay, that was wrong, maybe even stupid, but it's not evil. That's a neutral decision. You can make wrong decisions that have no spiritual consequence. This shirt may or may not go with this jacket, but it has no spiritual consequence. So, some things, I think most of the decisions, frankly, are not spiritual. They're, most of them, as you think about them, are kind of neutral. But some things are not neutral. For example, because it's so relevant today, a policeman choking the life out of a man in Minnesota, that's not neutral. That's evil. The response is not neutral. That's evil. You're saying, whoa, 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 Gene, political Gene here. You're saying protesting is evil? Absolutely not. It's not evil. It's all right. Looting and burning down buildings, that's not neutral. Satan thrives in chaos because he is the ruler of the air. We're watching in our news tonight. Satan owns the world and he creates chaos. And in all of this, there is this battle going on in the invisible world. Probably the the most clear example, the most powerful example is Daniel. Daniel has so much prophecy and so many interesting things happen in the 10th chapter of Daniel, we found out this guy Daniel prays and fasts for 21 days because of what's going on in Jerusalem. He's, he's heartbroken, in grief. There's a, de- there's a desolation of Jerusalem. And so he, he tells what's going on. Daniel 10, verses 2 and 3. Listen carefully. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks, 21 days. I ate no pleasant, pleasant food, no meat. Or wine came to my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, Daniel's rewarded. He has a visitation from a messenger angel, maybe the most famous messenger angel of all time, Gabriel. And Gabriel begins with encouragement. Daniel chapter 10 verse 12. Then he, now this is Gabriel, said to me, Daniel, do not fear, Daniel, from the first day, critical. From the first day you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come, critical, because of your words. Wait a second. We know Daniel kept praying for 21 days, and now this angel says, Hey, we heard you on day one. I left on day one. Time out. How? By the way... What took 21 days? If you left on day one, you just told us we heard you on day one. I came on day one. And I'm here 21 days later. And and by the way, how fast do angels travel? Speed of sound, speed of light, speed of thought? Come on! What takes 21 days for this guy to show up? We're given the answer on the next verse, and it's critical. Daniel 10, 13. But, here's what happened. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief priests, this is an archangel, came to help me, for I had been left alone with the kings, plural, of Persia. Wow, wow. He was blocked by the kings of Persia. He was blocked by a satanic horde. It took me 21 days. It wasn't until the archangel came and blasted me through. There's a war going on here. He was sent from God, and he tells us the, the kings of Persia blocked, and the archangel came and blasted me through. Now, Gabriel's a pretty important messenger. I mean, this guy, his resume is pretty good. He goes to Mary and says, You're going to have a son, name him Jesus. Gabriel goes to Joseph and says, By the way, marry the girl. So, this is a pretty, pretty important angel. Satan, knowing the significance of Gabriel's message, releases his forces to prevent him from delivering it. And Gabriel is opposed by the prince of the kingdom of Persia. This is not a man, this is a satanic angel. And it also tells us he's he's, he's the serpent, the the satanic force over Persia. Persia's a place. So, ah, we, we learned something else. There are demons assigned geographically. He is the satanic prince of Persia. Satan has earth. He has the skies. So, it's so intense that he has literally put satanic forces over specific places. 21 days, the archangel comes with his power and breaks them through. So, how do angels fight? I mean, they can't kill each other. The critical here is, he stood against me. Daniel 10, 13, Gabriel said, the princes of Persia stood withstood me for 21 days, or take a stand. Interesting, one chapter later, Daniel 11, 1, I, an angel is speaking, I stood up to confirm and strengthen them. So these two angels, Gabriel and the archangel Michael, are united in this task in bringing Daniel this answer to prayer. 21 days of battle, come on, it's huge. And so he finally tells them the message. Now, the, the message is dealing with prophecy in the future. I want you at least to hear it, even though we're dealing more with warfare about it. But it's Daniel chapter 10, verse 14, then we jump to 20 and 21. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. For the vision concerns a time yet to come. So he said, do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight, there it is, against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. He's got two of them on his hands. But first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. The support from, has come from your prince, Michael. Again, there's a lot here to, to absorb. Evil prince over Persia. Now we find out about evil power over Greece. Doesn't take a whole lot of brilliance here to realize Satan has assigned specific demonic powers over nations. Therefore, there's one over the United States. Battling over the culture, battling over who we are. He owns this, this planet. We have to swim upstream serving Christ. He has a satanic force over the United States. And more than that, that creates a satanic force over communities, over portage. A satanic force attacking us, real life community church. And a satanic force assigned literally to you. Yes, there are angels, both holy and evil, who watch you. Watch your life. We're told they watch you from birth. Why? Why do they watch every second of your life so carefully? Not merely to watch, but to learn. How can they influence you? How can Satan tempt you? You realize your temptation, while it may be like other people's in some ways, is specifically designed for you because he's watched you from birth. He hasn't watched you because he's interested. He's watched you. What is the most effective way I can damage you? What is the most effective way I can bring you down? What is the most effective way I keep you from Christ? He has designed it for you cuz he's got an angel, a demon watching over you. It really it all goes back to who gets the glory. In my living kingdom where God receives glory from my life. Now notice, Daniel's angel watching over him is Michael. Daniel's an Israelite. So over Israel is this greatest archangel, holy angel Michael. No wonder Israel is always at the centerpiece of, all, of so many major global conflicts. Israel is the centerpiece. Michael standing over it. Historically, four successive kingdoms have, have captured Israel. Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. And the focus of this prophecy, this message that we had to get to Daniel, deals in the future. But we're really kind of messing with, with spiritual warfare. But it's laying out some things that happened long, long later. Centuries later, Rome... 70 years after the birth of Christ, in and around 70 A.D., had their revolution. We had ours in 1776, broke away from the British Empire. Rome decided, we're going to break away from Rome. Excuse me, Israel decided, we're going to break away from Rome. We succeeded. They didn't, ending in Masada, where the Jews were completely massacred, and Rome put their foot down. And the, the Jews, Jewish people were, were dispersed around the world, and literally there was no Israel on the map. Until 1940s, and World War II was over, the Jewish people returned to their homeland, and Israel was once again seen as an entity. The United Nations recognized the nation of Israel in 1948, and God's timetable clock just keeps clicking. But for our issue here, the warfare, what's exciting about this entire passage really is the Ministry of Intercession, the power of this prayer. He's praying for the nation. Heaven moved because this guy's praying. Daniel participated. Satan had to send forces because this guy's praying. Look at his persistence. 21 days. So often, when a prayer's not answered immediately, we punt. Maybe it wasn't answered because it's important and Satan has set warriors against it. We give up praying because we're frustrated. Remember, your prayers have got to go through enemy territory. Daniel chapter 10 events clearly show us this. Daniel's prayers were oppressed and opposed by Satan's princely and the heavenly. In the end, Daniel persisted. Satan had to yield. The effectiveness of Daniel is seen in heavenly realms. No wonder the word says, we don't fight in flesh and blood. But we do fight. And some of those cliches, you've got to pray through, come to find out they're true. You've got to pray through. We're participants. We're not civilians. We're not bystanders. Daniel's on the front line of prayer. So when we pray, never underestimate your influence. Never underestimate your power. Never underestimate your potential. When we pray, heaven moves and Satan is forced to respond. No wonder the word keeps telling us, don't fight in flesh and blood. But we do fight. Another cliche, prayer warrior. Come to find out that's true too. It makes me think, do my prayers hunger for God's purpose or kind of mine? do my prayers cause satan to withdraw because of my persistence can i picture an invisible army going to war because i am praying now now for prayer to have power and effectiveness it's got to have two elements without these we're just talking number 1 is authority authority is a legal concept authority here is i'm a follower of christ That is a level of authority. I am following Christ and living my life that he received glory. If not, then that's your first prayer of effectiveness. God in heaven, I want you. I want you. Forgive me of my sins. Where I have lived not for your glory, forgive me. That I can begin to live for your glory. I no longer want that demon who's personally over me to keep winning here. I will live kingdom for your glory. That's authority. The second piece of the power of of, of prayer, the second piece of prayer is power. The name of Jesus. We have authority, living God's glory. Now we can call out the name of Jesus. Every demon fears the name of Jesus, they shudder at the name of Jesus. That's power. For instance, you ever what happened on Palm Sunday? Jesus is entering Jerusalem. What is the invisible standing? What is the war going on? What's the standing firm of the holy angels invisibly? Cuz demons seem to hate praise and proclamation. And that was one of the greatest days of all of praise and proclamation. What an invisible battle's going on that Sunday, huh? The plan of the Father's proceeding and Satan couldn't stop it. In fact, Jesus says, "If you don't cry out for joy, the stones themselves will begin to cry out." Now, He's using slang of the day. He's not saying that boulder is going to have mouth and begin to talk. The slang of the day, when people died, they were buried and there were stones. I'm not that terribly different from our headstones. They didn't have formal cemeteries, but, but there were places where they would bury the dead. And they called the dead the stones because the stones on them. He's not saying boulders are going to grow lips and begin talking. He's saying if you don't praise, the dead will rise up and they will praise. The invisible war going on, huh? Take a look at it. Luke 19, 40. And Jesus answered, I tell you, if my followers don't say these things, then the stones themselves would cry out. This is warfare. God's plan is not going to be defeated. Now, he's going to win with you or without you. Sometimes we get this weird thought that if we churches just pull on the rope hard enough, God might just win. That's crazy. There's power in prayer, and power is the name of Jesus. Where every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, you cannot weaken that. Now, so much is about angels. Let's, let's get into more, more detail about these angels. First of all, Psalm 104 tells us that they're spirits, like us. We're a spirit. There's a spirit within us. So many verses authenticate this. This just one. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Paul's praying for the Christians. May the God of peace sanctify your whole spirit, soul, and body. We're made up of body, soul, and spirit. That's me and you. And we find out that the angels are a spirit. So we've we got that in common. Spirits are eternal. So angels are eternal. We have that in common. We cease to exist and we're spirit. Also, we have something else in common. God made angels. God made us. We have a lot of things kind of in common with them. But they seem to have bodies that's equipped to, for various functions and different types of functions, therefore different types of bodies. And most of it is represented by their wings. Angels have different functions, so they have different numbers of wings. In Solomon's temple, cherubs are a level of angels. And they're represented there with two wings. First Kings 8-7 for the cherubim spread their two wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubim overshadowed the ark and its poles. Now, we see more about, about these cherubims in Second Chronicles 3. Let me give you 11, 12, and 13 as the verses. The wings of the cherubims were 20 cubits in overall length. Gigantic. One wing of one cherub was 5 cubits. Gigantic. Touching the wall of the room, and the other wing was 5 cubits, touching the wing of the other cherub. One wing of the other cherub was five cubits touching the wall, and the other wing was five cubits touching the wing of the cherub. So they kind of made a line. The wings of these cherubs, therefore, spanned 20 cubits overall. They stood on their feet, and they faced inwards. These are awesome. Five cubits is seven and a half feet, so one wing is 15 feet. These are awesome and imposing angels. Different cherubs, we find out, have four wings. Ezekiel 1, 5 to 11. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each had four faces, and each had four wings. Their legs were straight, the soles of their feet were the soles of calves' feet. They sparkled like the color of brawnish stone. Must have been beautiful, bright. The hands of men were under their wings on their four sides, and each of the four faces had wings. Their wings touched one another. The cherubs did not turn when they went, but each went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man. Each had the face of a lion on the right side. each had four. Each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side. Each of the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. Their wings were stretched upwards. Two wings touched one another, and two wings covered their bodies. There is another type of seraph, Isaiah 6. Now, seraph is the word for fire. These are burning. Fiery creatures who are guarding the entranceway to heaven, guarding the host of hosts, guarding, guarding the throne. And they have six wings. Isaiah 6, 2. Above it, now it is the throne of God, stood Seraphim, each one with six wings. Two wings he covered his face, two wings he covered his feet. And with two he flew. What I find interesting, the four wings, two covering face, two covering feet, those were acts of worship. And two wings, flying, service. So there's more emphasis on worship than service in heaven. And they cried to one another, Isaiah 6, 3. Holy, 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 Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And on this verse, do you ever wonder why are angels always saying, holy, holy, holy? Just say, holy. Good enough. Or if they want to overdo it, say, holy, 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 holy. You ever, you ever cross your mind why isn't always holy, holy, holy? Because they're addressing the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you are holy, holy, holy. Now these holy angels are at war with fallen demons. And one thing we figured out, time and eternity breaks into two categories. Those who accept and believe and follow, and those who reject and re- rebel, whether it's human beings or angels. We've got a lot in common. We can rebel. We're spirit. We're created beings. We're eternal. And, and this war between angels and demons, Daniel and Revelation give us so much. Angels look different depending on their responsibilities, and their responsibilities are geographic. We already saw over Israel as the archangel, Michael, and Israel so much as a centerpiece of the world today. Satan has demons that are geographic, and the issue is they stand up. That's how they do the war. They stand against each other. Daniel 11.1 1. In the first year of Darius the Mede, I, this is an angel speaking, even I stood up to confirm and strengthen them. The next chapter, chapter 12, we see Michael standing up against the, against the raging demon of Daniel's people. Angels stand, in other words, they, they affirm, they affirm the authority. They make a proclamation. This is huge. Proclamation is everything in them standing up. Remember Palm Sunday, the proclamations that were made? Proclamation is the powerful word of God in praise. Proclaiming it. It's a two-edged sword. Fallen demons do the same thing. They proclaim, they understand the power of proclamation. Let, let's define this. What place in the world is Jesus in the church not welcome? I would contend the Middle East, the Muslim nations. Do you realize five times a day, every day, every Muslim mosque proclaims the following line, there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. This has gone on five times a day, every day, for over 1,400 years. It doesn't take a calculator. This proclamation has gone out more than a billion times. Why should we wonder that that part of the world is anti-Jesus? Proclamation is one reason why this section of humanity has so strongly rejected the claims of Jesus because proclamation is power. Angels and demons stand up against each other using proclamation. Is there any more compelling evidence than that? Western nations committed to religious liberty now are dotted with mosques who are giving the same proclamation. British scholar David Pawson predicted a Britain will very soon become an Islamic republic. Proclamation. It is the powerful weapon of the invisible war. And he comes to us, the church, and says, you must be proclaimers. Proclaiming in praise. There's so much scripture about proclaiming, so much of scripture about what we're to proclaim, how can we not do it? In fact, it's one of the most powerful weapons we have as his people. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach tidings, good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison of those who abound, who proclaim the accepted leader of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our Lord. He calls us to proclaim in worship the, the songs of proclamation, the songs of praise ascending into paradise, the very throne of heaven. We're not to recite verses. We're to proclaim them. They are weapons. Today especially. You may or may not realize that today's Pentecost Sunday, the day we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit in that upper room when it turned into fire. We need to understand and practice the power of proclamation. So as we kind of end end the message, I want you to stand with me this morning. It's going to be on the screen. I want you to say it with me. Because we're not just saying. The power of the presence of God is in proclamation So let's go proclaim this. Romans 14, say it with me. As surely as I live, says the Lord, everyone will bow before me and everyone will say, I am God. That's a proclamation. Philippians 2, come on, say it with me. So that every knee will bow to the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. That's a proclamation. Psalm 150, verses 1 to 6, say it with me. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the trumpet sound. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and the dance. Praise Him with strings and pipes. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. That's a proclamation. Psalm 150, verse 6, short one. Say it with me. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Psalm 100, verse 4: Proclamation. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. That's a proclamation. Psalm 148, the first five verses. Praise the Lord. Praise him from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise Him, all you angels. Praise Him, all you hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all shining stars. Praise Him from the highest heavens, you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. That's a proclamation. There's a power in that. His presence enters into our place as we proclaim. One last one. There's so many more, but one last one. Psalm 145, verse 1. A song of praise of David. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. We need to practice and be involved in proclamation because the enemy does it effectively. Proclamation is the battleground as we pray. Pray in praise. Father, we don't want to just talk about it. We want to do it. We pray for your power. Because if we're going to serve you, we're swimming upstream. Because the enemy has dominion. It's almost as if you've given him, he's on a leash, but you've given him this unique dominion so that when we praise you, it's even more glory to you. It's even more powerful for you when we are so committed to you despite the world going the opposite direction. And we pray for your healing on our land. We pray for your healing on our land. I we pray for your presence. And may Whatever demonic force you have assigned to a real-life community, we could consistently defeat it in our worship. Consistently defeat it in trying to block your presence where we can sense and feel and know that you are here. That there is a unique stillness and peace and power because you're in the room. Because there's an enemy doing anything he can to stop that. May we focus on you and praise you. We're going to continue to praise and worship. But next week, as I said, we're going to conclude the series. You ought to know how it ends. If you're one of those folks that love Revelation, next week's your week. Let's worship together.